The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. How does a five-year-old little girl get raped and murdered and the case goes cold. Crime Stories with Nancy what Grace. What happened to Siobhan? First of all, take a listen to our friends at KHQ6. We had more trust, especially with the children. And uh, in her neighborhood, the north side, you know, it's a family mostly, you know, and fairly safe. Everybody thought they were safe. February, Missoula, Montana. Steve's little girl, five-year-old Siobhan McGinnis, was thriving. She's a very happy child, uh, very intelligent, very uh, um, outgoing. Just in the short period of time that she was here, I think she impacted a lot of people's lives. Steve and Siobhan's mother had split up and he moved across town. The nightmare began with a single knock from Missoula PD. The look on this guy's face, uh, you know, was very telling. And he asked me to sit down. He said, your daughter's missing. Steve says the officer told him they were doing everything they could, that crews were searching the entire city. That knock on the door no parent wants, well, it came for this family. Let me introduce you our all-star panel who's going to break it down and put it back together for you. The search for Siobhan. James Shelnut, 27 years, Metro Major case, now lawyer at ShelnutLawFirm.com. Renowned psychologist joining us from New York, Karen Stark at KarenStark.com. Former police chief Johns Creek, now at Chris Byers Investigation and Polygraph.com. Dr. Tim Gallagher, the medical examiner for the entire state of Florida. You can find him at PathCareMed.com. Cheryl LaPointe, genetic genealogist, the Gene Hunter at TheGeneHunter.com. And David Middleman, the CEO of Authorum Incorporated, expert in DNA identification at Authorum.com. But first, to Ray Caputo, lead news anchor for WDBO. Ray, let's start at the beginning. Where did the murder of this five-year-old little girl take place? A place called Missoula, Montana, Nancy. It's on the, the western edge of that state, not far from the Idaho border. 
Um, about 75,000 people in town. It's not a huge town. And one unique thing about Missoula is that it has a, an interstate called I-90 that runs through it. And if that road is familiar, it's a good chance it could be run through your town, too, because it's the longest highway in the U.S. It basically stretches from coast to coast. So um, very cold time of year, too. This was in, in February um, where they're not getting a ton of light. And it was, geez, in the 30s or She's high 20s when all this happened. I'm processing what you're saying, Ray Caputo. And when you said a town of 70,000, that really reduces the suspect pool. Okay. But when you said I-90 runs beside it, well, that opens up the suspect pool. And it brings to mind the case of Dylan and Shasta Groney up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They live, if you look down on an aerial, nothing but green forest. But there was an interstate. And as the kidnapper and killer, spree killer, drove by on the interstate, he saw Shasta playing in an above-ground pool. Pulled off the interstate, killed the whole family, also ended up killing the little brother, Dylan. Shasta lived. So when you have an interstate in the mix, no matter how small the town is, that changes things. Another factor, Ray Caputo... You said Montana. Sure, there's I-90, but Montana is very mountainous. I mean, unless you're going for tourism and you are going out of your way to see its beauty, how many people are in that neck of the woods, Ray? Nancy, you're completely right. It's it's, it's a very rural part of the world, and and if you don't go there for beauty, you know, it's, it's probably a place you're just passing through and get back to 90 just to tell you how immense this road is and how somebody could just be passing through i grew up in, in the middle of new york state in syracuse and i-90 literally runs past my hometown to all the way out, out there in new york so people can literally go from coast to coast uh, seemingly on this road now i'm thinking about what we know so far uh ray caputo you're telling me that this five-year-old little girl is raped and murdered. Dr. Tim Gallagher, medical examiner, state of Florida. How did they deduce that the child had been raped? Well, we can do a sexual assault kit on the child where we would take swabs of the vaginal area and of the anal area as well as in the mouth, and we could look under the microscope and see if there is sperm or some sort of uh, evidence of sexual contact, pubic hair from an adult, and then we could deduce that they've been raped that way. We could also look for injuries on the body, injuries in the crotch area, injuries in the vaginal area, and in the, in, and in the rectum. Um, that will also give us clues as to whether this child was raped or not. Take a listen to our friends at KHQ6. Hope fell right along with the brutal cold temperatures. She's found in uh outside of Missoula, east of Missoula. It was in this area just off of I-90 called Tura. She was violated. Man, no, that was really awful. Siobhan's half-sister, Una, says the family believes whoever did this was watching Siobhan as she walked, waiting for an opportunity for the little girl to be alone. Her house was within sight, and the little friend she'd been visiting Her mom walked her to the end of that block, but she had dinner on the stove and had to get back to stir the dinner. And she said, it's okay, honey, you can see your house. You think you'll be all right? And she went back to the kids and dinner. They believe her killer somehow got Siobhan into his car. Oh, my stars. To Ray Caputo, I was 
curious as everyone has been about why Siobhan was outside and these temperatures explain how she was kidnapped. Well, Nancy, I mean, we really don't know because she seemingly disappeared without a trace. But one thing, you know, you have a young girl, I do as well. And kids at five years old, they're people pleasers. They, you know, they want to actively make friends. They, they want to get positive responses from adults. So it's not hard to imagine how easily it would have been for an adult to get a five-year-old little girl and just that, that, that in moment where she's not being watched into his car. But, you know, right now, we, we, we don't know, really. But we, we know that she got into that car one way or the other. Well, we know this, too. Chief Chris Byers joining us now with Chris Byers Investigations and Polygraphs.com. I was wondering what mom or dad would let the little girl go play outside in this weather all by herself. And it was getting dark, if not already dark. But that's not what happened, Chief. We know that she had a play date with a little girl a couple of blocks away. And the mom walked her all the way home except for one block. But she had left something on the stove and turned around and went, look, there's your house. Just walk to your house. And she went back to the stove and let the little girl walk one block and in that block chief byers she gets kidnapped yeah what a what a horrible situation and you got to think too uh probably in that type of town we're talking the early 70s um probably nothing like that had happened there before and just mom you know this this little girl's mom uh friend's mom let her guard down and i'm sure that was something that probably happened quite regularly uh, in that area and what a just horrible set of circumstances to line up uh, for this to happen to her. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about the disappearance, the brutal rape kidnap and murder of a five-year-old little girl to make matters worse the case goes cold take a listen to our friends at khq6 siobhan was walking home from a neighborhood friend's house nearly visible from her own but that short distance on the north missoula sidewalks mere moments alone 
was all it took for a killer to get her. I think her body was found uh, the next evening. Two days, I think it was two days. Did you just, did you just know before you knew, you know, like? Yeah, I had a feeling that she was not going to survive because she's so little. She was so young. Yeah, and it was February. It was freezing at night, you know. I said, yeah, it was, you know, weather was not, it was not good. Well, things were not favorable for, for any kind of survival, certainly. Her body was dumped east of town in the area of Tura, just off of I-90. She was found in a culvert, snow piled up all around. Everyone was a suspect, but Stephen says he never thought his daughter's killer was close to their family. Did you think it was someone you knew, maybe? Uh, I did not think it was anyone I knew. To Karen Stark joining me, New York psychologist joining us, KarenStark.com, Karen with a C. Karen, when you hear that her body was dumped, dumped down a culvert with snow piled up all around her, this five-year-old little girl, her body just dumped. What does that tell you about the killer? Well, Nancy, it tells me that this is somebody who has absolutely no regard for human life. We're talking about someone who could look at this little girl as though she was a doll or a toy. He could care less about her. There's not even an attempt to make it seem as though she's in a warm place or anything like that. She is actually just tossed aside. Also to James Shelnut, 27 years Metro Major case at shelnutlawfirm.com. James, you know that neighbor mom must have tortured herself the rest of her life as her own mom. And to make it more complex, another wrinkle is that mom and dad are separated and live in two different parts of town. You've got the neighbor mom who lives with the guilt of leaving the girl alone, a five-year-old little girl alone to walk the rest of the way home and then turning around and leaving, not looking back. Then you've got the mother who it's on her watch, whether she intended it to happen or not. Then you got the dad who's living across town after the split without any control over what's happening with his five-year-old, and she ends up raped and dead. Yeah, you know, you uh, in cases like this, you know, there's always people who ask themselves, what if I would have done something differently? Could I have prevented this? You know, did I play a role in this unintentionally? Uh, could I have stopped this? You know, in reality... The person who caused this is this maniac who murdered this child. That's who caused it. And I think those are normal feelings to have. You know what? You're right. That's hard to get your mind around that when you're so busy blaming yourself. Right. But none of these people had anything to do with this little girl's death. Back to Ray Caputo, lead news anchor, WDBO, joining us. Ray, so it's a very small town, even though there is I-90, the interstate, there in the beautiful Montana mountains, and the girl goes missing. When did they, how much time passed before they find her body? Not long, Nancy. About, about two days uh, passes, and they end up finding her not far down the road from the town, right off the highway, um, in a culvert. It's a little tunnel that passes under the road with, you know, where water travels, and you know, there's snow around, and she, she was just discarded like a piece of trash. But it didn't take very long for them, but, you know, it might have seemed like eternity for those who were looking for. 
to Cheryl LaPointe joining us, genetic genealogist, the so-called gene hunter at thegenehunter.com. Cheryl, thanks for being with us. The child had been out in the snow, literally piles of snow all around her. How does that affect or does it affect DNA? Nancy, it definitely affects DNA. Um, it affects it by it degrades the DNA. It um, The DNA in the element get affected by cold weather, by rain, by water, um, being mixed um, in the body, and it makes it harder to be able to separate and work with. Luckily, at the time, the investigators preserved DNA that proved to be key evidence in this case. And any time you have DNA that's been around, uh, it was out in the elements and then sat basically on a shelf somewhere for about 47 years. So the preservation of that DNA was um, amazing. This family suffering, and as the days pass, no arrests are made. Take a listen to our friends at KHQ6. It's my understanding that the police at the time felt that whoever had murdered her was not an ex- experienced at that. She was assaulted and then she sustained several stab wounds. There were many initial leads. Missoula police say each was aggressively pursued. They even publicly discussed reopening the case as covered in this article by the Missoulian. There is DNA. I know that it has been run against the criminal databases and nothing really came of that. Despite his rage, his extreme sorrow, life moved on. It had to. Steve did end up remarrying, having Una and another daughter. But knowing they will never meet his first is a wound that even time can't touch. So the world keeps spinning and time passes by and her parents still devastated even though seemingly on the outside they're moving forward with their lives inside their heart is broken over the death the unsolved death of their five-year-old girl Siobhan McGinnis you know I want to go back to you Ray Caputo I didn't realize she had been stabbed so many times what can you tell me about COD cause of death well she she was raped she was beaten and she was stabbed and you know given that this is a five-year-old girl i mean what kind of monster can can look a little child an innocent child in the eyes and do that nancy but but she was not in good shape i mean she she was hurt pretty badly and ultimately stabbed to death to chris byers former police chief johns creek when you come upon a body like that you've got a child a uh, five-year-old little girl in a snowbank you've been looking for her for days one, how do you separate your emotions from what you've got to do right then at the scene? And where do you start? Uh, you know, dealing with child cases, child murders, child uh, rapes, uh, there's nothing worse in my 25 years that I ever dealt with was that. And you just learn to compartmentalize these things and just rely on your training. Your training kicks in at that point. Uh, you've got a job to do. Uh, You know you want to get answers to this. You know you want to bring somebody to justice. So that's what motivates you at this point. Um, You know, things in the 70s, I'm sure, were a lot different than they would be today coming up on this because when we approach these type cases where there's a body, where there's a sexual assault, we're thinking DNA. Uh, Right off the bat, the responding officers that are getting there, we're we're setting up 
you know, perimeters, we're knowing that we have to protect these minuscule cells that make up this DNA. Um, in the 70s, you know, I, I'm not real sure. I know DNA became a criminal thing in the 80s. But when you come to a scene like this, I mean, the first thing you're doing when it's a child, it's usually obvious that there's been sexual assault. You start looking at the sex registries within the area and you start sending units to those houses and you start, you know, you go in, you're searching for the child or you're searching for any evidence at this point, uh, but you're hitting that sexual predator registry pretty quick uh, to begin here. Cause that's usually going to be, it's not the first time that the person's done this. It's going to be, they've done this repeatedly. And so uh, that's how you start it. But again, Coming up on these things in 2020 and 1974 were, are, are a huge difference, I would imagine. And the family sits by, twiddling their thumbs, doing what they can, but ultimately giving up any hope that the killer would ever be caught. Take a listen to Siobhan's dad. Yes, they, they, they had a lot of, uh, they, of course, they talked to many people about her, and they had a good, a, a good sense of who she was, and even at that young age. I think she was quite a remarkable child. And uh, many, many people will, you know, will say that. Her teachers, you know, say that. And uh, uh, she was just a wonderful person and, uh, and uh, precocious. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about the kidnap, rape, and murder of a five-year-old little girl. How did it happen? Who took her? Decades pass, and the case stays cold. Back to Dr. Tim Gallagher joining me, the medical examiner for the state of Florida. Dr. Gallagher, when you are searching the body of a child like this, does it cross your mind and that whatever you find on her body may just sit on a shelf for the next 40 years, but ultimately may end up proving the case? I mean, what goes through your mind, and how do you disassociate from the fact that you're working on the body of a dead child? Well, that's always the difficult part, Nancy. And, um, you know, 
we at the medical examiner's offices are human beings with children of our own. And sometimes it is very difficult to do these things. But, you know, in our minds, we need to get closure for the family. We need to solve the case. We need to help solve the case. And it's that type of uh, internal drive that enables us to do the work that we do. Um, you know, and getting back to the other question, you know, uh, collecting DNA, the technology that we use to collect DNA is vastly different from 47 years ago when this case took place. Uh, our methods of collecting it allow the DNA to become more stable over the longer periods of time. So yes, not only do we collect samples uh, for the case, but we do it in duplicate because we know that there is a chance that that can sit on the shelf for 50 years, maybe even 100 years. And we have to believe in the technology that we have now, that DNA would be examinable uh, and a good sample even 100 years from now. And now joining us is the CEO of Othram Incorporated, the company that did the ID work with DNA on this case at Othram.com. David, thank you for being with us. How did you get involved in Siobhan's case? So we, uh, we have a laboratory uh, we're, we're the only folks in the United States that do this kind of advanced testing fully in-house, and we have a laboratory that can work from evidence that's been um, either deemed unsuitable or, or insufficient uh, by other test methods. And so we got involved because there was evidence remaining at this crime scene. Uh, it, was, it was very little. It was about 50 cells worth of uh, DNA left. And, and it just wasn't well, 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 Hold on, hold on. You've got me drinking from the fire hydrant. I've got a J.D., that's true, but I, I'm not a chemist or a biologist or a scientist, so I'm trying to digest what you're saying. You said you had 50 cells. Now, I do know this. I just helped the twins get through their nuclear science merit badge. I learned a lot about atoms and protons and neutrons and particles. What do you mean by a cell? When you have 50 cells... Yeah, How this, big is that? Do this, I need to look under a microscope to see it? Yeah, this is a, a super tiny quantity. Um, to give you to give you a perspective, um, you know, if you if you do like a a, a medical test, a medical test, or a uh, maybe a, a ancestry test with a consumer company, um, you know, in, in in science quantities, you'll be collecting between seven hundred and fifty to like a thousand nanograms. Is, is what they call it. We're talking about quantities that are like you know, somewhere between um, a half a nanogram to like a quarter of a nanogram. So these are these are minute quantities. I don't know what a nanogram is. Does yeah, it fit in a thimble? It's like a it's like a yeah, it's a super tiny amount of DNA. And so, so okay, the- uh, no offense, David Middleman, because you're the scientist. I'm just a trial lawyer, but super tiny does not sound like a scientific uh, amount to me. You got you got to dummy down, man. Uh, Fifty grams. What, what is that? Does it fit in a teaspoon? Does it sit on the top of a needle? What, what is that? I mean, a, 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 like a single cell would be uh, so tiny uh, you would need a, a high-powered scope to be able to see it. And it's got Now I'm one, getting it. Yeah, you get one uh, we're getting down to on the top of a pen thing. Okay. Yeah. So 50 cells, I can't even see that with a naked eye. Yeah, and, and in fact, not only can you not see it, but most forensic methods will not be able to access or see that that amount of DNA either. And then on top of it, on top of it being a small amount of DNA, 
it's also old. It's from 1974, so it's degraded. Um, when DNA gets old, it begins to break into little itty-bitty pieces, and that makes it also hard to analyze. So you have DNA that is a small amount, but also in itty-bitty pieces, and has probably been out, you know, it has been stored in the best that they could store, but it's been sitting around since 1974. James Shellnut, 27 years, Metro Major case, now lawyer, is actually starting to make my head hurt, physically hurt, because I feel like I'm back in the courtroom with a, there's no such thing as bad DNA. You, we're, we're lucky to have DNA. But when I hear him saying this, it just seems almost insurmountable. And that's all we have in this case. Yeah, there's what? not a lot to go on. And so uh, so that's that's what we specialize in, oh. is these cases that are, are intractable. They, they've, you know, and there's a lot of other cases like this. There are cases where there's evidence, there's DNA. And like you said, no DNA is bad. It's great to have DNA. But... Sometimes there's not enough DNA or the DNA is not suitable for one reason or another, and, and the case can't move forward. And just in the last couple of years, there's not technology to look at that. You had 50 five zero yeah, five, cells yeah. naked to the invisible eye. When you look through a microscope, can you tell, is it skin, is it hair, is it touch DNA, is it sperm? Can you tell that by looking through the microscope? Sure, sure. You can, you can tell... Um, sometimes what kind of cell type it is, and uh, and so and, and that's in fact how how they do some of these examinations to look if a, a sexual assault has occurred. They're looking for something that looks like sperm. What was this? Was it blood? Was it a faint? What was it? Um, this this was this was semen from a from a sexual assault kit. Okay, so this is semen taken from inside or the outside of this five-year-old girl's body. Okay, what kind of test? David Middleman joining me, the CEO of Authoram, and praise God you exist. I mean, I don't know if you believe in God. Maybe you're a strict chemist, and maybe it doesn't make sense to you. But without Authoram and people like you and people like Cheryl LaPointe, the genetic genealogist, these cases would never, ever be solved. So when you look through the microscope, you see this, you know it's sperm, you know it's degraded, you've only got 50 cells. What do you do then? What kind of test did you run on it? So we have a way of, you know, in, in a traditional forensic test, you're looking at, um, you know, these markers. They make up what people call the CODIS test, and it's, it's 20 markers, 20 spots in your DNA. What we're doing is very different. We're looking at tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of markers in the DNA. And so we collect, it's not only that we're working with these challenging kind of sources of DNA, but we're also collecting tremendous amounts of information. And, and that information that we collect is the information that Shara and other folks can use to then do relationship testing and comparisons that allow you to help kind of build out that genetic genealogy part. David Middleman, when I asked you what test you ran, I didn't really understand your answer. You said you were looking at thousands of data points. Is there a name to the test? Or uh, and also, how accurate is that test? Sure, th those those are good questions. So the test that we run is called forensic grade genome sequencing. It's a forensic test. Oh well, wait, wait, David, is this just like a game to you? You know, I don't know what you just said. Now, slow down. Talk regular people talk. What did you just say? It's a what test? It's a forensic grade genome sequencing. So all the DNA in your cell is your genome, and we use a technique called sequencing. To, to access information about lots of markers at once, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. 
and it's designed specifically for forensics. It's the first of its kind test that is only for forensic DNA, which allows us, like I said, to access DNA that otherwise would be uh, not usable. And so the whole name is Forensic Grade Genome Sequencing. And, and we collect, as I said, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of markers. And so with that much information, you can make very, very, very accurate and precise measurements of relationship. The other thing that I'll note is that the work that we do at Authorum is uh, it's investigational. And so you'll appreciate this uh, you know, with the, with the, with the lawyer and, and trial background. Uh, we start with a CODIS test, right? That's, you know, a profile has been uploaded to CODIS. It doesn't match a known identity. Then we do our test, which complements that, and it generates the data you need to find somebody. And then at the end, you do another CODIS-style test to confirm that the work that we did was correct and, and we, we produced the right identity. And so, so what's nice about it is CODIS is exceptional at, 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 at being a, an accredited and well-vetted test in court to confirm identity. It's just that CODIS isn't always good at finding people. And so what we do is we find people and then we work with folks to use the conventional forensic testing to confirm. And so that makes it very accurate, but also very powerful. This is neither here nor there, but I've just got to know this. David Middleman, how did you end up in this line of business? What led you there? Well, uh, I, I've been doing DNA testing my whole working life. I'm a, I'm a one-trick pony. It's all I've ever done, DNA testing. And I, uh, I started in the Human Genome Project in the 90s. This was the original project to map out all the DNA, uh, all the DNA letters of a human being. And so this was in the 90s. And then I, uh, I fell in love with DNA and mostly uh, biomedical research and medicine, uh, but I've done that for a couple of decades. And there's actually 20 of us, I have to mention, it's not just me, it's a whole team of us that have worked in biomedicine and in medical testing. And we've helped bring a lot of this technology to that field, to medicine. And uh, we, we came to this realization a few years ago that um, you can go to any street corner and get a medical test now for whatever uh, you think might ail you. But what street corner can you go to to solve a cold case? And so we made a decision to drop what we were doing in the uh, biomedical research and clinical space. There's lots of great people there and bring this very powerful DNA testing technology to, to an area that's underserved. But, but has lots of cold cases. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of cases that would, uh, could possibly benefit from this approach. And so, so we all jumped on and we started the company uh, off firm in 2000. Okay, wait a minute. David, I'm just, I, I'm trying to figure out when you were a little boy, did you think up in your treehouse, wow, I'm going to become an expert in forensic grade genome sequencing? I, I, I didn't anticipate that I would be uh, talking to lawyers and, and working with uh, law enforcement. But when I was a little boy, I was really curious what DNA was and, and what it means and how it makes us who we are. And so I've been lifelong fascinated with DNA and genetics. Um, but uh, but I've just followed that, uh, you know, wherever it goes. And I've always looked for a way to, to do good for the world. And this seemed like a, a good opportunity to, like I said, I'm a one-trick pony. So I have wow. to look for where DNA can be applied. I don't think that I would refer to you as a one-trick pony, David Middleman. Uh, CEO of Authoram, O-T-H-R-A-M, Inc., that did the DNA ID in this case. Um, God bless you. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge team project. So it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of folks that were involved, but we're very excited to be um, one of those team players to, uh, to help bring this case to a close. Uh, David, how long did it take for you to come up with the answers to who it is, who the part was? So, so there's two parts. There's two parts to this project, right? There's 
you have to generate that set of information, the markers, and that was a 12, that's a 12 week process. But then there's the genealogy component. And in this case, um, we actually worked the FBI. This is a Steve Kramer and Steve Bush at the FBI. They have a genealogy division and they did the research on this case. And so, so sometimes we get contracted to build a profile and do the identifying work. Sometimes we're just contracted to build a profile. And this time we did the profile. Uh, this was, this was in a partnership with the, with the Bureau. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking to a brilliant scientist who, along with police, crime scene techs, investigators, somehow managed to put this 40-plus-year-old case back together again, David Middleman. But now I want you to hear from Chief Jason White with the Missoula PD. We are here today to discuss the closure of a 46-year-old case. On February 5th, 1974, Five-year-old Siobhan McGinnis was abducted within a few blocks of her Northside neighborhood home. Tragically, two days later, she was found deceased near the Tura exit off of Interstate 90. Despite all of the exhaustive hours by detectives over the past four decades, the case has remained unsolved and open. In 2019, the Missoula Police Department reached out to the newly formed Missoula County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Squad for assistance. Through modern DNA technology and assistance from state and federal law enforcement partners, the cold case squad was able to identify a suspect. The suspect has been identified as Richard William Davis. Suspect Davis was born on November 7th, 1941, and most recently resided in Cabot, Arkansas. What more do we know? Take a listen to Michael Aaron. The Missoula County Sheriff's Office says DNA evidence from the scene of the killing matches that of Richard William Davis. According to the FBI, Davis moved to North Little Rock in the late 1970s, then lived in Cabot from the late 1980s until his death in 2012. It was through cooperation with the suspect's family that we were able to uh, get information that conclusively linked uh, suspect Davis to uh, Siobhan's murder. 
That's because DNA evidence from the crime scene reanalyzed in 2019 partially matched the DNA of a family member of Davis who had sent a DNA sample into a consumer database. Wow. And here from THV 11. Davis had no known ties to Missoula and police say he was just passing through when McGinnis disappeared. And we are just completely overwhelmed by the science, the dedication, the hard work that has gone into everything that you have done. Una McGinnis never met her half-sister, but that doesn't change the pain. It certainly affected our family for many decades. and She and her family have felt. 46 years is a very long space of time to be in a state of unending grief and immense sorrow for one is beautiful and amazing as that pain now met with a sense of peace and gratitude for those who brought them a long-awaited answer. We are just completely overwhelmed by the science, the dedication, the hard work that has gone into everything that you have done. He described it as unending grief and sorrow. Out to Ray Caputo, lead news anchor WDBO. What do we know about this guy? It doesn't really paint the picture of a child rapist or a murderer. It says he was a loving husband, dad, and grandfather. He was married. He had four daughters of his own. He, he was a born-again Christian. Um, and also, um, some of his jobs are kind of alarming given what he is accused of doing. He was a missionary in the 60s. He worked at an Arkansas school for the deaf and the blind, and he even drove a school bus in the 70s in Alaska. So Williams has been around kids many, part, many uh, parts of his life. Yeah, almost everything you're saying, Ray Caputo, he's seeking out jobs with children just like Siobhan. Listen to Una McGinnis. He left behind a widow. Um, the detective said that it's extremely rare for this type of criminal to have maintained. It, that's just not normally the case when they're looking at this type of criminal behavior. He moved around a lot. Um, he would move suddenly. Uh, he would tell his wife, you know, I've got a job lined up in Florida. We're moving right now. We're leaving today. <laughs> Pack everything up, move kids. And then they'd get to Florida, and there would not, in fact, be the job. And it would kind of have been a lie that he told the family to relocate quickly. So currently, um, the Missoula Police Department and the FBI are reaching out to the many places where he lived and suddenly moved his family to, to let them know that if they have cold cases, um, that this DNA profile is now available. So now police are trying to compare his DNA profile to all the many places he lives. In my mind, he fits the profile perfectly. What about it, James Shelnut? Yeah, I mean, where do you begin with this guy? I was thinking the exact same thing, and there's so many places to start, but I'll, I'll make it brief. You know, I'm going I'm to start on the opposite end. A born-again Christian goes back and admits what he's done wrong. Um, and I will tell you, it doesn't sound like this guy admitted anything. He left these parents in the bar for 46 years. I also am under the belief and have experienced that people who commit these crimes against children, these predators, you don't just find one victim. Uh, and I would love to see the, the police agencies involved in this investigation go back and contact other police agencies where this guy has lived at and say, hey, if you've got anything unsolved or anything, uh, any DNA that you've got laying around that you think matches this guy uh, during this time frame he lived here, you need to run it on this database. 
I would not be surprised if more than one victim turned up. Is justice delayed, justice denied? Many parties in this case have now passed on. Passed on before the case was ever solved. I think no. There is still justice. Justice for Siobhan. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.